everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You podcast. I am so excited today because we have a special guest. We have Alana Varro here with us. Alana is a Hungarian-born psychotherapist practicing in Los Angeles. Her background in the beauty and entertainment industry, as well as the healing arts, informs her unique psychological approach. Alana's practice focuses on women's issues, which arise from adolescence through adulthood. She focuses on topics involving body image, disordered eating, self-hatred, self-sabotaging behaviors, anxiety, depression, adjustment disorders, trauma, and more. And I had the, the special opportunity to experience a leadership training with Alana, and that's how we met. We've stayed in touch. And so, Alana, I'm so grateful that you're here on Joyfully You Podcast with us. I'm so excited to connect with you. I'm so grateful that we connected four or five years ago, whenever that was, and we just had an instant um, just attraction to one another. And we were like, we need to be friends. We've got a lot in common. We, we vibe at the same level. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So I'd love to hear, I know that a big part of your teaching and your practices um, through the therapy work that you do is the mind-body awareness and being able to connect with the body. Um, and so those are some things that I wanted to ask about, especially around trusting ourselves. And I know we're going to be talking about that. You guys can go check out Alana's Instagram um, if you're listening to this episode. But can you kind of share your approach with connecting to the body, especially through resiliency and self-love? Like, why does it matter that we need to connect to the body? I mean, we have obvious yeah. reasons, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. I think old models of psychotherapy were so based in the head. Freud and all those, you know, founding fathers, they were really just focused on in the brain and like problematic thinking and really pathologizing, focusing on problems, focusing on what's wrong with you. And I think not until recently have people really finally understood that your brain affects your body and your body affects your brain and there's no separating it. Your thoughts affect your body, your body affects your thoughts. It's just this continuous feedback loop. And in therapy, we call it top down or bottom up. And we're constantly trying to navigate what's a better approach for a specific issue. Is it from the bottom up, communicating with the body, resourcing, grounding, working with the nervous system in order to calm the mind? Or is it vice versa, working with the mind, the thoughts, the thinking beliefs, and having that trickle down into effects on the body? And so the, the really short answer is that you can't separate the two and we really have to focus on both. And a lot of psychological disorders affect the body. I work a lot with eating disorders and anxiety, and both of those are so deeply manifested in our body experience that there's just no way to approach or heal either one of those without taking a look at the big picture. And I know for myself personally, I have a history with eating disorders and anxiety, and I was so resistant. Most people with an eating disorder are cut off from their body. They don't want to be in their body. They don't want to have awareness of their body. They want to shrink, disappear, fit in. They just like don't want to exist in a way for whatever reasons, whether it's trauma or their own self-image. And so for me, really finding a connection to my body through yoga, through meditation, through somatic practices was my path to really just peace and freedom and self-acceptance and just being in my body and accepting and loving who I am, allowing changes, allowing fluctuation and 
just witnessing it instead of criticizing it and judging it, just kind of like being on my own team instead of against myself. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Did you have times, like, did you have to grow into connecting with your body? Like when you first started this practice, like what's that journey been for you? Did you have someone guiding you? Like, how did you kind of start that, um, that process of really having that deep relationship with the physical? Yeah. A lot of it was my own curiosity. I have an amazing therapist. And so absolutely we don't do this work alone. And I've done a lot of coaching programs and collaborated I would say like 95% of my community and close friends are coaches and personal development, you know, infused in some way. And so my, my eternal curiosity, I think that's probably the best qualities about me as a coach, as a therapist is that I'm just so determined and curious and I don't settle in any way. And so curiosity with my own self, my own body, with my own mind, trying to understand where things come from, a lot of reading, a lot of self-teaching, going to school for therapy, going through a coaching program that was based in somatic healing, just constantly educating myself with ways to understand myself so that I can better understand the person who's sitting in front of me, the person that I'm working with. Yeah, yeah. That's really incredible. The process that it takes, because when the teachers are, con- it's a, it's a lifelong process of being a teacher and a student. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, I think it's Abraham Hicks is the work is never done and you can never get it wrong. And I say that I think every single day, at least once. I love that quote so much. I'm and obsessed with it. It, it I'll say it again. Yes, please say it again. <laughs> yeah, the work is never done and you can never get it wrong. It, essentially meaning you're going to evolve till the day you take your last breath and the goal is to learn, never to say, oh, I failed, I've made a mistake, I'm this or that. It's really to witness your process and grow through it. Mm. That's what I love about that curiosity thing that you mentioned, because curiosity isn't going to find something that's wrong or right. Curiosity is like, let's look and see what's here. Yeah. Um, And that's been a huge thing for me in my journey is the curiosity piece versus just like you said, where's the problem? How can I fix it? There must be something wrong because I'm feeling uneasy. And so a big connection for me learning how to be with my body. I I was addicted to painkillers for a long time. I didn't know um, it just was a natural thing. I didn't know how to process the intense emotions that I had. And I started taking something that made me feel really good. Um, and so the disconnect with my body, there was so much fear, but I didn't understand it. I didn't know it was fear until walking through some of these processes or even just meditation, you know, the smallest amounts of meditation all of a sudden can bring up this different awareness. Um, so let's talk about resiliency, you know, for the, for the woman that has had, a, I mean, globally, everyone has had difficulties over these past two years, but for the woman that's been feeling that anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and she knows it's, she knows that healing is possible, you know, what kind of advice or maybe some coping skills could you give to a person that's been really struggling with anxiety that wants to feel resilient and, and, and start again with things in their life? Yeah, I I would say don't underestimate your potential for healing and your potential for internal strength and resources. And it really starts with 
accepting the challenges that you're going through right now instead of fighting against it, instead of going into a, a victim mentality, mentality or asking why, really just radical acceptance is the first step. Okay, I'm going through something right now. And instead of adding on judgment and criticism and just layering on more shit that you're going to have to get through, just stepping back and surrender. Okay, I'm going through a hard time. And from that place of acknowledgement and awareness and acceptance, then you can start to ask yourself, what do I need? What do I really need? Am I dealing with a lack of safety? Am I dealing with a lack of security or strength or encouragement or compassion? Sometimes even stepping outside of ourselves and looking at how would I approach a friend if they were in this place? What would I be able to give to them that maybe I'm not able to give to myself? Mm. And really just trying to shift perspectives because the the issue with resiliency is often we get stuck and that's where we're just feeling helpless and hopeless. And so a change in perspective can be so powerful. And this is where coaches and therapists come in because they see what you are not able to in the moment. It's really kind of that pilot analogy. You're up in the sky, you're in your stuff and you can't see what's on you know, the radar or, or all you see is what the person in the tower is telling you. They're guiding you. You have to trust that they see and they know something that you're not able to directly see right now. So really being willing to ask for support, ask for feedback, and also sit with your, you know, struggles and what you're going through, really just sit with compassion and then trying to understand what, what could this possibly be teaching me? What is the lesson in all of this? What can I take away? What do I need? Um, A lot of times I tell clients to avoid the question why and really go through the other who, what, where, when, how, you know, who would I need to be to be able to get through this right now? What thoughts are coming up in my mind? Where do I feel it in my body? How do I need to show up? Um, I don't remember which one I forgot, but who, what, where, uh, when, when was there a time that perhaps I would have been more resilient? What was different then? So just kind of avoiding the question of why, like, why is this happening to me? Because that again, puts brakes on your healing. It's this stuck point of judgment, criticism, over-identification with one singular perspective. And you're most likely not going to move from that place if all you're asking is why, why, why. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that framework of who, what, when, where versus the why. Because the why is kind of a dead end, especially because it's like the self-judge, it leads to self-judgment because we're trying to find what we did wrong. And I've noticed a lot of listeners here, they struggle with people pleasing. I joke about being a recovered people, recovering people pleaser. And it's not that much of a joke, actually, you know, my sense, my own internal sensitivities. I so, I want to please people. I want to experience joy with them. Um, But with that, sometimes it can be, I I could disconnect from my own emotions if I'm not spending that time alone or my own body, because I'm so focused out on the people around. Um, And so I love that, that, that process of connecting in a different way to change that perspective, especially, and and those self-reflection questions require some alone time. Exactly. And that's the key. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to do it alone, but you have to be able to go inward because no one's going to do your healing for you. Even the best, best coaches, 
probably more so the best, best coaches really just hold space for your process. And they're a mirror, they reflect, they give you a point of reference to then take away and you go inward and reflect on it and integrate it. Everyone is unique. You have a different, even identical twins, you know, they have different experiences through life, different ways they process situations. The same event could happen to two people and they completely process it differently. And so really taking into account your unique biology, environment, social support, psychological development, everything, and really knowing that this is a unique individual process. It's never going to be identical to someone else's. And so you do have to go inward and align with what is most suitable for you at this point in your journey. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is great advice of connecting and finding out what is suitable because I think people want a cookie cutter thing. They're like, just tell me what to do. I'll do the steps. You know, we want something that seems um, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the step is go and join with yourself, attune to your own self and then start to ask the questions of what do I need? Who do I need to be? Where am I experiencing it in my body? Kind of going through introspection. So that is what you have to do. I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) If you want to know what to do, introspection, that's a good place to start. Do you, is, uh, what's like your favorite modality to connect with yourself? Is it more through journaling or meditation or somatic work? Uh, I, I have a few. So I love binaural, music. So I usually have on Spotify, there's a ton of resources. There's a channel I particularly like called rising higher. So I love subliminal background affirmations. I love the binaural sounds, um, any kind, I I love just having some kind of musical something on in the background when I'm working, there's different things like the sounds help you focus. These sounds help you with healing, cellular healing, or a sense of calm. So that is something that I incorporate into my day-to-day, absolutely sitting in silence, reflecting, connecting to the body, hand on the chest, hand on the belly, doing some deep breathing, um, movement. Also, I, you know, I love going for walks. I love just being able to move and think whenever I go on a walk, I leave the phone at home. I am not listening to anything. I'm not talking. I'm not distracted in any way. I'm truly being present journaling. I'm obsessed with, and it doesn't have to be formal journaling. It's not this, you know, perfect practice. It can literally be words, emotions, drawings, um, memories that you want to just hold on to or events that have happened that you want to go back and reflect on. There's so much value in tracking your own existence and being your own researcher of your life. Um, I, I have, I have these journals in front of me, but like I could go back over a decade and every year I get a journal like this. And every day I'm just taking notes on thoughts, feelings, conversations that I'm having, themes in my life, themes in my client's life. And it's so valuable to go back and look at what's happening. What are the commonalities? We all are having the same experience. I think most of the clients that are attracted to me are going through the same things that I have either gone through or are currently going through. And so there's this beautiful mirroring that happens in coaching work. It's not just the, co- the the client taking things away. You know, I myself am also learning from my clients constantly and 
it's just such a beautiful relationship. So Mm -hmm. once again, we don't do this alone. We do these, these types of healings in relationship. Mm. I feel so similar around that relationship with clients. It's like, there's this circle that happens and then there's an energetic connection that isn't seen that in the beginning, I didn't quite understand. I was like, oh, of course my client is going through this one thing that I just faced or I have experienced, or of course something I'm kind of struggling with my client just had a celebration about where it's like, there's this growth because we get to mirror each other, even though being guided, it's so interesting. So yeah. yeah. Do you have it? Uh, I'm curious when you do your reflections of journal, the data that you have, because I've been learning um, more, I guess, the way ther- the therapists talk about it, of like, you know, the data collection and data review. Have you had like your own personal breakthroughs by looking at past journals or like finding hab- uh, patterns and things like that for your own self-healing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the biggest surprise for me when I first started this process was how long things take and how long healing takes, especially with body image or eating disorders. That is not a six week course that you can heal your relationship, your body, you know, like those things really get under my skin because you're talking about decades possibly of learned behavior, beliefs, social dynamics, family dynamics, the role that you take on in your life as a mother, daughter, friend, you know, there's so many things that intertwine. And so we have to, developing a strong sense of self takes a lifetime, essentially. There's a lot of progress that can be done, but again, the work is never done. So the the, the most um, revealing thing, I think for me was going back and seeing you know, maybe 10 years ago, I was working on something that took many years and, and just every year after year flipping through and being like, wow, I was feeling that way a year ago, or wow, that was an issue two years ago. And now it's still present. It's evolved, but like, wow, it's still present. And then having those turning points of feeling like, wow, I don't relate to that at all. I'm so grateful for my growth. I'm so grateful for the patience and self compassion and self-care and all of the things that I was willing to invest in, in order to heal parts of myself. So mm-hmm. the, the length of time that healing really takes, I think is the most kind of shocking revelation when looking back on, on things. Yeah. I had an experience similar where I was in a relationship and I was looking back on my journal and it was a a journal I'd had for the whole year. And so it was eight months ago, same exact things repeating. And that was an aha moment of like, oh my goodness, I have been in a mind loop of insecurity that has been repeating. And that was like what helped me in the resiliency to make a change because I realized this isn't anything new. This has been going on for ongoing, but I wouldn't have had that self-awareness if I wouldn't have written it down. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of reminded me of another thing is going back and looking at, I remember a few years ago, I was journaling while I was in a different relationship than I'm in now. And I was so convinced at that time that these were like my true authentic feelings. And then going back and reading it, I felt so disconnected from, from that. It was so not my truth. And just having that realization of, that was pain talking. That was fear talking. That was desperation talking and seeing the words written out and just knowing that that is not my authentic truth. That was really 
the emotion and, and just that vulnerability and, and needing something from someone. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to see like, wow, that was so not my truth. Girl, you were, you were lying to yourself <laughs> and having that awareness, looking back and, and now also being to differentiate what is my authentic truth? What is my authentic voice? And what is the emotions that I want to resonate in and want to thrive in and making those choices instead of letting fear or desperation or, or attachment uh, kind of blind my, my truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big topic of we might have to do another, we might need to have you on for another episode all about like attachment and healthy trust around that. Um, or maybe I'll ask a few questions now. I don't know. Okay. So (laughs) this is really, I think important, important to bring up because some of the ongoing conversations I've been getting in the DMS about listeners from joyfully you podcast is the resiliency after a breakup where they are finding themselves again, because it's that thing of who am I without this person? How can I self-source my own sense of validation of joy, you know? And so you know, maybe from your own experiences or things you've seen with clients, um, maybe just some words of, of wisdom towards that person, that woman that's experienced a breakup. And a lot of, there's been a lot of commonalities around the realizing that there was a lot of unhealthy, toxic behavior happening that because the people pleasing, it's this desire not to give up, wanting to be resilient to healed the relationship, but things needed to come to an end for their growth and healing. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a statement more than a question, but no, I mean, I think the most common issue with that is not feeling worthy being single or feeling like that person provided my value, my desirability, my worth. And so First and foremost, just accepting and acknowledging the truth that you are worthy because you exist. You are not worthy because you exist as a partner to this person. You yourself individually, inherently, it's a birthright. And so starting from that place and really reflecting on the relationship. And I'm a big fan of reflection as much as introspection. I think that's how we learn. You you don't want to just close your eyes and, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm going to be this independent, you know, strong individual. Let's, let's reflect. Let's look at what worked, what didn't work. Most of the time I like to ask people, do you like who you were in the relationship? What parts of yourself do you like of who you were, how you showed up? A lot of times um, when, when toxicity happens in the relationship, there's a power dynamic. There's a struggle. There's a loss of self. I manipulate, I change myself, I try to contort and fit into their image of what they want instead of being myself. And so it's kind of another analogy. Sorry, I love analogies, but it's like, I love them. I have a size, I have a size 10 foot. Okay. So if my person wants me to fit into a size seven shoe, it's not going to work. And so that's kind of what we do with ourselves. We're like, okay, well, I know I'm inherently not a size seven, but I'm just going to try. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so you lose its self-abandonment. You literally 
do not accept yourself as you are. You think that you have to change aspects of yourself, whether it's internal or external. And whenever you start going through that process, that's a huge red flag. When, when you start to abandon yourself in any which way, oh, I can't talk like that. Oh, he doesn't like if I laugh too loud. Oh, you know, he wants me to be a little more submissive or quiet or not to hang out with those friends because they make him uncomfortable. Like whenever you really start to not feel good about your choices and, and we know, you know, I think this is where the meditation and sitting with yourself and just even mirror reflection, look at yourself in the mirror, say things out loud, notice how they feel in your body. That's how you're able to really align with your truth. Things that feel expansive and joyful are the hell yes, do more of it. Things that feel contracted and feel shameful, that's the red flag of I'm out of alignment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Something that comes to mind with that is, you know, the power dynamics, the conditioning. There's been quite a few women that I've had beautiful conversations with where they believe that they um, are doing what you're supposed to do in a relationship even if it's not reciprocated, you know? And so maybe for that person that does realize, okay, there's red flags here and I need to start to take step backs or I need to start to make changes. Um, what would you say? Like, what would be some advice for that person? I know we're kind of talking about more relationships and breakups, but that tends to be a big part of the resiliency piece for listeners here, even if it's a different type of grief, maybe not necessarily a breakup, but for this context, how do you start to focus on self to pull away when you realize there are red flags? Well, I think it's really important to have relationships outside of your romantic relationship and to maintain those. And so a lot of times, if you notice that your friendships are suffering or you're getting feedback from close friends that you're changing or you're not as available or this or that, and all of this, you have to take with a grain of salt. This is not a perfect science, obviously, um, because there might be people that are projecting their own insecurities and, um, you know, are saying like, oh, now all you do is hang out with your partner, but it's really their own insecurity of being alone. So really knowing the context of this, but, but being open to feedback of people that are close to you that have been in your life for a long time, if they start to notice or mention concerns, then kind of having a vulnerable conversation instead of immediately jumping into defense of the partner. Um, and, and again, having a balanced perspective. If you're going to defend your partner, can you also listen to the feedback and really let it come in uh, naturally and authentically instead of just shutting it down and only defending the partner. Mm. And so just a willingness to have alternate perspectives, not necessarily right or wrong, but just, okay, I'm willing to hear what your concerns are. I'm willing to hear what feedback you have, what you're witnessing in my behavior, in my thinking, in my way that I'm taking care of myself or showing up and, and what effects you're seeing from this relationship. Mm -hmm. our friends know our family knows they and that see. instant defensiveness is a red flag too if you're shutting down conversation and you're only you have your blinders up and you're only willing to have your perspective that's a red flag too that mm -hmm. you're hiding from something yeah yeah which contributes to the inauthenticity that tends to happen and it's the projection because it is this taking with a grain of salt is this interesting thing because I've definitely had times myself or times with clients where 
it's us. It's projection, you know, and there's definitely times where there's red flags and there's, you know, some uh, things happening. So I love that advice around connecting with family and not being defensive. And it's that same intention you mentioned earlier of curiosity. How can I be curious in this and look at it? Yeah. And even not being defensive with yourself, it doesn't even necessarily have to come from. If you're questioning anything in the relationship, give it time, let it process, give it words. I think that's a really powerful thing. Instead of just being like, oh, well, I've thought about it, write it out, put words to it, really get as explicit as possible. Do as many details as possible. When you involve multiple areas of your brain, not just, let's say the verbal, or, you know, when you start writing things down, you're seeing it. When you start speaking it out loud, then you're hearing it, uh, using imagery, really incorporating shapes, colors, sounds, like getting as descriptive as you can about your experience to really have a well-rounded perspective of, is this healthy or unhealthy? If, if you notice that in your journaling, you were writing about a lot of darkness, a lot of heaviness, a lot of constriction, images of, you know, um, explosions or fire or whatever, like that's kind of telling right there that is that the relationship that you want to be in. So again, just being willing to take as many different perspectives as possible to really understand what your truth is. And the most important thing is how does that truth feel in your body? Going back to the mind body connection. It's not just what you're thinking about it. It's how does it feel? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That's so helpful. And being able to use that cross-reference of how does this feel in my body? Have you ever had times like yourself has ever been experienced where your body was telling you something different than your mind? And so your body kind of directed that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, the most visceral thing that happened was I was having a really difficult time making a decision and I went on a walk and I was just like constantly asking for a sign, wanting to connect, really trying to understand. And I fell and I skinned my knee and I ripped like one of my favorite pants. And I was like, okay, well, that's pretty clear right there. That that's my body communicate. That's like a wake up call. That's trying. I'm, I'm not a clumsy person. I, I don't, can't tell you the last time I fell. Haven't fallen since then. <laughs> so it was just very clearly this body sign of, okay, get, get back in alignment. You're out of alignment right now. You're not attuned to what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And, and little things like that. I think it's really important to pay attention to Constriction and expansion is the, I think the most simplistic way to go about it. And I, I really like to tell people to stand with your feet about shoulder length, uh, shoulder distance apart, arms down by your sides and just get into a really relaxed position and then say whatever your truth is out loud and notice, does your body rock forward or back? And that can be very telling forward is usually like truth. Yes. Backwards is hesitancy and, and uh, maybe that you're lying to yourself in some way. So that's a good way to kind of tap into your subconscious and just kind of witness where your bearings are, what feels most true, most authentic. Um, And yeah, you know, just really say what it is, say it out loud, have it resonate through your cells and then notice, does that feel pleasant or unpleasant? 
And that can be a guide also. If there's just something in your gut that's like, oh, no, it doesn't feel good. Listen, listen to that. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that uh, uh, practice that anyone can use. Um, I haven't heard that of being able to notice where the body leans. I'm definitely going to be using that myself in my own reflection, my own um, connection, because I've been discovering the deeper I go with learning how to trust myself the more layers of fear present themselves to be healed that has once prevented those things. And so I think it's so important talking about the healing journey because every time we, what I've been noticing, every time I ask for a desire, the path to that desire requires facing those fears and those obstacles. And sometimes the fear doesn't feel safe, but my body knows I'm safe enough to heal it. And that's why it's coming up. Yeah. And there's so much power in being with your fear. So you don't want to run away from fear. Fear isn't bad. Fear isn't this feeling that you want to stop or make it go away. Fear from our primitive brain is survival, right? So the reason that it's showing up is because there's some kind of threat detected, but that threat could be oh, this email just made me really upset or I don't want to reply to it. Like it could literally be nothing that's going to actually threaten your safety or it could be, you know, a a wild dog running at you that's going to bite you. So really knowing the context of like this feeling that I'm feeling right now, can I, again, put words to it? Can I label what's happening? Can I connect that prefrontal cortex, that logical part of my brain to the brainstem that's just reacting out of alert? And can I have the two communicate and know that this feeling is perfectly okay? It's really more about resistance. It's not that I'm actually in danger and kind of talking yourself down and really having a conversation. That's the the mind-body conversation too. Don't just let the feeling be in your body without witnessing it and labeling it because that's how you essentially have a sense of control and understanding our minds are meaning making machines. And so if you don't make meaning of the sensation in your body, it's going to escalate and get more and more scary. But if you realize like, Oh, I'm having a like tingling in my stomach. I noticed that's really unpleasant. I noticed that it's related to this thing that I really don't want to do. Um, it's bringing up frustration feeling not good enough, feeling like I need help or support. Like the more words you put to it, that guides you to a solution. Also, if you're just like, Oh, this is scary. It's uncomfortable. Mm, I'm not going to do it. You're stuck. You're you're, there's no solution. There's no expansion. There's no understanding of what's happening. It's just an instant shutdown. So be willing to open it up, witness it, label it, make meaning of it. And as you go through that process, typically your solutions start to arise as well. Mm, I love the way you described that so, so much. Thank you. Because that process helps create that, the, the we could hear our own wisdom within that of what's coming up, but then we can learn how to self-soothe and self-coach and like connect to, you know, some people call it the highest self or the authentic truth, or I call it the inner wise woman. I think everyone has an inner wise woman, like these parts of ourself. Um, And I think that's been one of the biggest breakthroughs for me over the years of, of, I don't know how long, whatever, is that practice of curiosity. What am I feeling? 
well, where's this coming from? Is this reminding me of anything? How could I describe it? Because I remember learning about emotional intelligence. The more descriptive you can describe your emotions, the the more it awakens parts of the brain to work through it. It's like the resiliency comes when, when we first know what's going on. Yeah. And I love the inner wise woman. So I'm trained in EMDR, which is a trauma modality. And it's about rewiring the brain, reprocessing traumatic events. So they no longer have a visceral body reaction. It's just left as a memory instead of a memory that then triggers paralysis or fear or shutdown or anxiety. So it's a really cool way of rewiring the brain to calm your nervous system reaction also. And one of the first steps in EMDR is called resourcing. And you pick three characters, real or imaginary. It's typically a protective figure, a nurturing figure, and a wisdom figure. And so I love that intuitively you've got the wise woman. And literally what it is, is connecting to your body. So finding finding an environment, finding a sense of peace. Um, typically you want to be tapping bilaterally. And so you're just kind of like tapping left and right. It can, it can, you can also do it on your knees. You're really just like bringing calm to your nervous system. And as you do that, you think about, let's say the wise woman and you really, again, try to evoke as many details. What does she look like? What is she wearing? How does she move? How does she talk? You really want to bring her up in your imagination as if she's a real person that is now going to help you work through something that you're having a difficulty with. And it sounds hokey and people kind of resist at first. And then they realize like, oh my gosh, this is inside of me. This is a part of me. It's not even actually a real character. But when I give that character attention, I'm able to tap into her wisdom. There's like, literally it's you, but now you're able to talk like, what would the wise woman say? How would she respond? What advice? And it's it's your words, but it's not. And so it's just a really amazing way to tap into the malleable and resilient nature of our brain. It is in there. It is not something that you have to go out and buy. And it is a part of you. It's something that you have to practice. Mm-hmm. And so I highly recommend always visualization and that kind of imaginary mental rehearsal to my clients because it provides so much internal strength and it's similar to the power posing. And there's so much research done about the impact that that has on your physiology and your confidence and all of those things. And so don't underestimate the power of imagination. And again, you all have it whether or not you think of yourself as a creative person now, as a child, guaranteed, you you were given, you know, two pencils and you could have like a sword fight or you could pretend it's a doll or like whatever. So it's in there. You just kind of have to tap into that curiosity and imagination because that is a real key in the healing process also. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a muscle. That's kind of the analogy that helps me with this. It's like, I don't use it if I'm not, if I, because there's a pendulum swing of like, if I'm not using my practices to help me connect, I will go through in and out windows of not feeling, I'm not hearing the wise woman. But once I believe once that, that connection and we hear that voice within that we forever have that relationship with her because we believe, because then at least there's a belief that like, yes, there is a part of me that is so wise. Yeah. Yeah. And then it takes away any judgment of 
and there's a part that wants to protect and there's a part that feels afraid and there's a part that's a bad bitch, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. And that is called internal family systems in therapy. The part. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a scientifically proven methodology. Absolutely. Tapping into different parts of yourself. That way you're not this all or nothing. I'm either brilliant or an idiot. It's like, there's parts of me that can do idiotic things, certainly. And there's parts of me that have brilliance. And so let's just decide which one we want to strengthen. And then what can we learn from the parts that maybe we want to just get curious about why it's showing up and we're not labeling it as bad. We're not labeling it as wrong. We don't want to get rid of it. We want to just learn what its intentions are. Everything we do has a good intention, even Um, you know, like my eating disorder or pain, being addicted to pain pills. Like it has a good intention. It wants to keep us safe. It wants to keep us um, feeling like we can get through the day. It's coping. It's, it's not long-term effective, but at first it works. And so we have to wake up to what's its purpose. What is it afraid of? What is it trying to do for us? Is there a healthier way to go about it so that it can be sustainable long-term? So I guess, again, long way of saying, don't judge or criticize any part of yourself. It's showing up for a reason. And the worst thing you can do is to just label it and and identify with it. Oh, well, I'm just an addict. Oh, well, I'm just anorexic. Oh, well, I'm just, no, it's a part of you. And there are wise, brilliant, nurturing, compassionate, healing parts of you as well. They're maybe just a little asleep and we need to wake them up. Mm. That's so beautifully explained and beautifully said because that all or nothing is common with listeners because it's common because it's something that I, yeah. And I, and I've done my, a lot of healing of learning how to change that all or nothing. So it naturally kind of that thing with the connection. So it naturally comes up with the people I connect with. And I'm sure it sounds like the people you connect with and work with as well. Yeah. Um, I like to ask people towards the end of the interview to answer the question. All right. Oprah inspired this. I liked it. Um, She's great. She's great. So self-love is. Self-love. Self-love is attuning to yourself and honoring yourself. And of course, because I'm a therapist, it's thinking and behaving and speaking in a self-honoring way. So really your, your thoughts, your actions, and your emotions and sensations are all aligned to be as self-honoring and really attuned to your needs from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Resiliency is, this the last one. Resiliency is willingness to try again and again, to not abandon yourself, not give up on yourself, but really know that you are worth healing. So resiliency is knowing your worthiness and being willing to try different things in order to allow that to come to the surface. Hmm. All right, guys, you heard it. Alana, I thank you so, so, so much for joining thank us on the you. show and for all the wisdom that you've shared with the audience and with me. Um, how can people connect with you? How can people come and be a part of your world? Um, love to hear. 
So the best way is Instagram. I think that's my liveliest community and it's at Ilana Varro. Uh, you can also check out ilanavaro.com. I have worksheets. I have resources. I have different blog posts. Um, I'm also, I love what I do. And so feel free to drop me an email or a DM if you have anything that you're particularly working on or wanting direction with. Even if I'm not the best person, I have a huge network and I can refer you to the best um, potential coach or therapist or program or whatever helpful resource and or book recommendation even. So please feel free to reach out and connect with me. I am happy to be of service. Thank you so much for offering that and for being open for people to connect with you. And guys, even if you just had an aha moment from this episode, tell her, reach out like that. Even the feeling of expressing the gratitude, if you got something out of this episode, um, I know for myself as a coach, we we live for those messages to know that the work that we're setting to do is, is being heard and received and and resonated with. So Alana, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. And just real quick last bit. Yes. We love to hear all those things, but it's also a way that you're like whoever is making the comment is also taking an action step in really acknowledging what they're taking away, what they're learning. It puts something into momentum. So it really is a win-win. It's not just you acknowledging, you know, that you're taking something away, but it really sets you, steps you into another level of action. Like, what are you going to do with that knowledge now? You know, are you going to share it with anyone else? Really, it's kind of the butterfly effect. So And yes, I do love to hear what resonates with people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah. Because then it forced us to kind of think, well, what am I taking away? It's that same exact thing of self checking in. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully You podcast. Thank you, Alana, for being the guest on our show today. Um, And if you guys want to find any of her links, you could be able to find that in the show notes below her Instagram and her website that has some free offerings and gifts on there. So yes, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Thank you, Alana. And I will see you guys on the next episode.